Welcome to the Male Mogul Podcast, where we discuss topics that will positively transform the way people live and lead in their communities. Here are your hosts, Walter Mendenhall and Dr. D.T. Shackelford. Good morning, good morning. <laughs> I'm your host, Walter Mendenhall. We're here for another episode of the Male Mogul Podcast. I have mm. my co-host here, Dr. Mm. D.T. Shackelford. Yeah. And we actually have a guest, one of our original uh, male mogul students, mm. uh, Jarese Winston. So, Jarese, how you doing today? How you doing, man? Thank you for having me here today, man. Blessed to be here. No yeah. problem, man. No yeah. problem at all. So, first, I just want to get started, man, with some of the male mogul updates. Mm. Um, first thing, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a pop-up that was basically planned and uh, implemented by Jarese, uh, Keandre, and keep some of our male moguls and it was just greatly successful man we sold a lot um it was some great participation a lot of people came out so jarvis anything you want to say about that uh yeah man i was i was just gonna say uh yeah that was a good time for us i think planning that it really helped us like you know get that extra push because now we know we have the opportunity to showcase our talent and to help other people showcase theirs too yeah. so yeah we was really just you know thankful today everybody can get that exposure most definitely. So it was not only Jarrees, but it was a mm -hmm. group of uh, young men who were able to showcase their brand. So mm -hmm. I was uh, grateful for the uh, opportunity and just the platform to help those uh, young men showcase uh, their work. Mm -hmm. sure. So that's and I think a lot of times, even just in this city, man, a lot of times we don't get a chance to showcase yeah. some of the good things and yeah. positive things that's going on. 100%. So most definitely. So another thing that I would like for the male mogul update is that we're actually getting a chance to get back into the schools post COVID. And uh, last week we had a powerful session at DuSable high school led by uh, Dr. Shaq and Dr. Shaq, can you just give us an overview of kind of what happened during that uh, time? Yeah. Yeah. It was, we always, and within male mogul, we talk a lot about global change agents, yes. right? It's going beyond the boundaries of Chicago and seeing how can we change the mindset of young men like a Jairis to think globally, yeah. right? To, to, to think beyond the border that society has placed on your yeah. mind, right? So um, for, for us, right, because I'm never teaching solo, right? There's yeah. always people that's pulling the curtains when you can't exactly. see it, right? Yeah. If it's a person that's on the stage, you should probably research the individuals that's pulling the curtains because they were important, right? Um, and so for a class last week, it was basically um, how do we become global world uh, uh, change agents? And specifically for class, we started off with a letter to the world, literally called Dear World, right? And so the letter was basically... I wanted them to speak with their hand. Yeah. Right. Speak with the the, the, the ink that's in their pens. Right. Um, and so it was so powerful to see their perspective and their angle. Right. I always say that life is angles. Right. right? How do you look at life controls how you will how you are perceiving what you see. Um, and so um, in the class session, they were able to write uh, letters to, to the world and who led class. Right. It's. I, I maybe I get the credit, but who really led class was one of our young participants who played a guitar. Yeah. Right. And Chicago, when I moved to Chicago, I noticed the 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 influence that music had on this on this city. Oh, yeah. And specifically young black males, right? I mean, they go to different places when they put on music. Yeah. Right. And I was like, how can we interject this powerful influence into a classroom? 
right? And so one thing led to another, and um, we asked this young student, can you play the guitar, right? As they're reading the letters, and it set the entire atmosphere of a room, right? Um, we, we talk about one of our values being faith, right? Well, from a biblical perspective, uh, for our Bible readers out there, right? David, he sues the soul of Saul with a harp, mm-hmm. right? And so this young man is in class with a guitar, and he's soothing souls, with this guitar, and I'm like, he's playing it like a harp. Man, he's playing it like a harp, right? And I'm like, man, if we only understood the, the the power in our instrument, right? And maybe not everybody has the guitar, but you got you, yeah. right? And the first instrument is you, yeah. right? It's not David that played the harp; it's the spirit in David that played it, right? And so it was him playing the guitar, and it put the classroom on another level. They were able to think about uh, how they were going to transform, right? Positively transforming. And that is, that's something we live on. And for this classroom session, we were able to see this young man go to a different place while also seeing these other young men transform their, the, the lives of those who are around them. And it was such a powerful display of knowledge and wisdom. And it was... To be in the moment, yeah. right? To be immersed into that moment was so powerful because sometimes you don't know when that moment is going to come, right? Yeah. You, you expect it, yeah. right? But you don't know how it's going to uh, impact student one or student two or student three. And for a young black man to be writing to the rhythm of a guitar player who is among them, such a powerful um, display um, in that in that classroom, and that doesn't happen alone. That is everybody working in synchron uh, synchronized together. Um, I talked a little bit while we were on a break. Um, how Walt the first two weeks he spoke candidly about um, putting on boxing gloves. Right, he looked like Walt. Right, he radical too. Right, so <laughs> right, he tried to put all the energy off on me. All right, so in class he he teaches with these boxing gloves on. I'm like, man, how crazy is he? What he does is. He talks about how he goes through these boxing lessons and how the biggest the biggest enemy is the enemy. Yeah. Right. The enemy is the really the enemy. Yeah. Right. So you're going through these rounds and you boom, 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 boom. 30 seconds. Boom, 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 boom. 30 seconds. Boom, 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 boom. And the real match is you. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I'm getting them to do in class on the next session, except now the boxing glove has now become a pen. Yeah. Right. And so boom, boom, boom. Give me another 30 seconds. Right, 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 right. You got one more time. Right, 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 right. I always say this quote, just a minute, only 60 seconds in it forced upon me. I can't refuse it. I didn't seek it. I didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give an account if I abuse it. It's only just a minute, but eternity is in it. I think what Walt showed with those first two class sessions was the power of using your minute correctly and then he planted our water but god ultimately got the increase definitely man what stood out to me was the willingness for them to write Mm. i think a lot of times there's these perceptions that black kids specifically black men don't want to learn and what i saw was a young man wanting to learn wanting to write wanting to express themselves Mm. and eager to share and encourage Mm. and uplift one another. Mm. And I just think the atmosphere set that place of transparency and like Mm. authenticity Mm. 
in which they could be vulnerable with one another mm -hmm. and be vulnerable, you know, in a space in an environment in a city where, you know, it's count as a, I guess you can say a strike against you mm -hmm. if you are perceived as vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So I was just impressed by just the willingness mm -hmm. of them to share, um, the great just content that yeah. they wrote. The content was just oh profound. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. It was profound. Yeah. And, uh, even the encouragement of one another. Yes. Um, I think we really, um, put a atmosphere and just a culture of just like camaraderie, mm -hmm. even with people that know each other and people that don't know each other. Right. They're now like a, like a football team. It's, like, <laughs> it's that saying? same exact yeah. way. And when you have that culture, it doesn't just come out in the pen. It comes out in the form of a security bag sweatshirt. Yeah. Right. It's, it comes out in the form of a young Jairis feeling like he can take on the world with his clothing brand. Right. That culture, it bleeds into other industries, right? Yeah. But the only thing we're doing is we're empowering them. We're affirming them of what they are. Most we didn't, I didn't put the gift of creating ideas into yeah. Jari's head, or neither did you. Yeah. Only thing we did was created the opportunity, 100%. and they took full advantage of it. So that is what gives me joy, yeah. right? To know that I didn't do what people seeing may think I did do. No, it's them with the real power. It's them with the real power in their oh, pen. We're just there as black males to say, hey, you can do this. You're powerful. You are more than enough. And for them, that's the inspiration that they need to put their pen on paper and say, let's, let's, dear world, let's change it. Yeah. So. Most definitely, mm. man. So. I want to get into uh, this interview with mm. uh, Ja Reese, man. Ja Reese has been somebody that I've known uh, for a few years now, ever since he was a sophomore in uh, high school. Yeah. And now you're a sophomore in college, correct? Yeah. So about four or five years, I've just had Ja Reese and just to see his growth, um, just to see him as a leader, not only, you know, in the classroom, but in his community has just been something that, you know, it's been a joy and it's been motivating. And I don't know if Jarrice knows this, but like, you know, he's been some of the times where I just wanted to quit. Like he was like, man, you know, there's a Jarrice out there. So let me just continue to keep going. So uh, I just kind of want to get into Jarrice's story. Uh, Jarrice is from the west side of Chicago, the Austin community. Uh, Austin uh, has been instrumental in my life because this is actually where I got the chance to start the male mogul and to grow the male mogul and just to, you know, there's a perception of Austin as if you look at the statistics, the most dangerous community in Chicago, you know, the most with the most murders and the most shootings. But during my time there, man, I just saw some of the just greatest young minds that I've ever seen across this city. And I've been to the north side, south side suburbs doing work. But just some of the young men in that community have just been some of the brightest, most innovative young men that I've seen. Um, so first thing, Reese, man, I just kind of want to just get into your background, man, just how you grew up, uh, a little bit about your mom, your dad, your grandma, sisters, and just kind of just uh, a little bit about your family dynamic. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. So I really grew up in a single parent household. Okay. Uh, my dad wasn't really around like after my early ages of my childhood. Gotcha. So going into like my teen years, I would say it was just always just me, my mom and my little sister, gotcha. and my grandmother. 
Got you. And your grandmother lived in the same building. Yeah, in the same building. Okay. In the same building, man. Yep. Most definitely. Most definitely. So I just kind of want to know, man, what's it like growing up in in Austin, man, on the west side of Chicago? Just, uh, you know, some of the things that you have to deal with and um, what are like, what is it like? Just a real perspective of growing up Uh, as a young man in this day and age. Oh, man, I would say it's it's. It's really fast paced. Yeah, I would say everything is is really fast. Like you, you grow fast, you learn fast, you learn to think fast, and you learn to like react fast. So I would say just being being in that fast paced lifestyle, it just make you like sometimes you don't realize what you're doing until you do it. Mm-hmm. So then we got to deal with the repercussions of that. You realize like how that affected you as a person and how you can grow from it. So yeah, I would say just really just. Like besides the violence, you know, it's talent all over the Austin community, and I can have people that vouch for that. But it's like you know, the things that you may may be faced with, the circumstances that you may be faced with every day, is like you gotta have that survival instinct. So yeah, I would say just yeah, anybody in the Austin community, they can definitely relate to that because I mean, it's been countless, countless, countless actions that's been displayed that nobody's paid attention to, but. Yeah, I think, like, really, when you really get the insight of it, you can really tell, like, it's different. It's, it's real different. Most definitely, man. So, you know, some of the things, uh, can you name, like, kind of some of the things that makes you grow up quick in that community? Uh, Yeah, man. So it's like, you know, those traumatic experiences, whether it's, like, you know, losing a friend mm-hmm. that you've known, uh, getting yourself into, like, situations, like, when you out in public places, like, man, uh. You got, you even got domestic, you know, got domestic problems that's going on. You know, people that's, that don't have, you know, the right relationships built with their family. So you got family, you got broken homes that's, that's ongoing. Yeah, man. So what I'm hearing is just like, just a lot of trauma. Yeah. Whether it's environmental trauma, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, gangs or drugs or, you know, shootings or murders. Um, I hear that. And just correct me if I'm wrong, because I just kind of just want to make sure that people who don't know, you know, get an understanding of kind of this community. And like you said, you see a lot of potential, but because of the environment that they're in and sometimes you have to make decisions, you know, as a 12, 11 year old that sometimes 20, 24, 30 year olds are making. So Mm -hmm. it's forcing you to grow up quick and not necessarily you don't have the guidance or the, you know, influences that can help keep you on the right path. Mm-hmm. So what I want to know is, is that, you know, what kept you, you know, on the right path? I know sometimes you might have wavered or, you know, you've been kind of on that, that, that right path in spite of your environment, in spite of your friends. So what, what kept you on that growing up? Uh, I would say mostly I got I got to say my mom, man. Like she's a strong woman. Uh, I think like watching her persevere through the struggles that you know that she had to deal with. I think it really like you know it taught me you know how to be you know not just only one dimensional. Like I can be able to you know help other people out while I'm helping myself out. So it's like just seeing her going through the things she went through. It just you know it reminds me that anybody can have a situation that they're dealing with. You just gotta have that perseverance, man. Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. I like that, man. I like that. Um, one thing that I've noticed about you, Jarrice, and just uh, observing you through your high school years is that even though you're not in that life, uh, some of the young people that are in that life look to you 
as a motivation. Like you are truly a leader in your community and you are a leader that's trying to put people on the right path as opposed to the negative path. Yeah. So I just want to know kind of how you do that or how is that possible that people look up to you and it's not necessarily that you toting guns or selling drugs, like you doing the right thing and people are following you. How, how, how does that happen? Uh, I mean, the main thing that they recognize and I always say this is that I never give up. Mm. I think my, I think my, uh, my desire to, you know, to achieve success and, and be a pillar to my community. I think that's really motivated the people around me. That's what's caused people to like, you know, pay attention and, and really want to, you know, uh, have that insight and, you know, want to know what I'm doing and just keep going on that positive road, man. I just never like, anytime I've hit an obstacle in my life, I, it's never been just that. Like, and you told me that, like, you was like, you know, life is 90, uh, 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Yeah. I've always kept that mindset and I always will keep that mentality, man. So it's just been that, you know, seeing people seeing me, you, you know, just taking whatever opportunity I have and just creating the most of it, making the most of it. Yeah, it's just that, man. Most definitely. I like that. I like that. I like that. So I remember you, uh, you know, freshman, after your freshman year, sophomore year, you were actually in my first cohort at Circle Urban Ministries of the, uh, you know, Mel Mogul Initiative. And first, I just want to know, man, what made you, you know, kind of get interested in the male mogul initiative and what kept you staying and continuing to be a part of it in spite of all the things that you were doing, playing basketball, transferring schools, doing, you know, a lot being ready. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, really with the male mogul, I would say it, it was like a bit of a surprise, but it wasn't because mm -hmm. I mean, of course I already know like what I wanted to, I, I wanted to be productive with my summer. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't know, like, what was the best way to do that? Like, I didn't know of programs like Mel Mogul. Mm -hmm. I didn't know of all of these mentorships. So it's like I had to really, like, you know, dive in into the after school matters. And I had to, like, you know, pick what interests me the most. And I guess Mel Mogul was top of the list. And it was around the corner from my okay, house, man. Cool. So it's like <laughs> when you when you get wrong, wow, literally wow. 30 steps from your house, it's like, you know, it's, it's right. really a positive. It's a, it's a, it's a addition to your life, man. Definitely. So um, what I want to know, you know, just through that first cohort and just as you continued and you got people to come and join that was in your school, like what kept you coming back? Because there's been a lot of people that started, mm -hmm. you know, when you started, but they're not in the middle mobile currently. So what kept you keep to keep coming back? Uh, I would say basically it was like more of a repetition thing. Yeah. Just like basketball, like the more you practice, the more you fall in love with the process, the more you want to go to those, you know, games, the more you yeah. want to perform better. So I would say just, you man, just being in those lessons, learning more every day that I, I was learning more in male mobile than I was in school. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's like, you know, I, it had more of an impact on me than, than school or basketball did because I was actually genuinely interested in, I actually mm -hmm. developed a passion for it. So it was like, yeah, that, that just kept me, you know, coming back, just wanting to learn more, soak in the information wanted to help other people and give them also the same information that I'm getting. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, mostly just that repetition of coming every day. Yeah. So first, I'd also, too, like to talk about um, your clothing brand and, you know, how you came up with uh, Secure the Bag. I know you had a lot of different other ideas yeah. and, you know, some of them didn't work out. And I just kind of wanted to know, like, what kept you to keep, like, okay, I thought this was it, but this wasn't it. Let me try something else as opposed to a lot of the 
young people just like, oh, it didn't work. I'm going to quit or, you know, I'm not going to put a lot into it. What kept you um, persevering even though you had, you know, unsuccessful businesses? Mm. Uh, I would say um, I had to really like see what was really where I made my errors the first time. And I had to like reassess how I approached like my business plans. Like I had to, you know, change my mindset of just thinking like, okay, is this a product that people just go consume because they like it or because they actually support me? So it's like when I made Secure the Bag, it was like I'm relating to people how I relate to myself. Like, you know, I'm always wanted to take the most of my opportunities. I'm always wanted to secure. I'm always looking to grow. So it was just like that. That motto, man, it stuck with me. So it was like when I developed the brand, it was kind of like easy to come up with like the, the motto of it. It was easy to come up with the uh, phrase. So it was like, yeah. Okay. I, I, I would like to interject, too, and, and this is something that I feel like our, our viewers would want to know, too, right? Being from the west side of Chicago, it's something you said earlier that really intrigued me. It was the instinct of survival, yeah. right? But secure the bag is a visionary concept, mm. right? How are you immersed into an environment where you have to have the instinct of survival, which is basically living in the moment? How do you take yourself mentally out of that and dream further, mm. right? Like, how do you do that? Uh, I would say, yeah, that, that's actually a good question, mm -hmm. man. I would say just you, you, it would have to be like something like you have within yourself. Like mm -hmm. you have to know that you, you know, you have the, the power and the opportunity to do it. You have to believe in yourself first. Mm -hmm. And then that's what other people will start to believe in you. Because, I mean, I mean, in my neighborhood, all the people who, you know, was trying to create something or start a business, that's the ones who got acknowledged. So, I mean, when people see me, it's not only, it's, I mean, it's like, it's not only that, that they know I have a survival instinct, but they know that I'm trying to change myself and change my community, too. Mm -hmm. So that desire to do that will actually change how other people approach you. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to sell drugs. I'm not trying to, you wow. know take another life to somebody's family. I'm trying to teach people how to actually bring capital to their family. I'm, I'm trying to teach people how to grow themselves, mm. like how to think different. So it's like when, when I'm, when I'm in my community, I don't, it's like, I don't really have to have a survival instinct anymore, but I still have to stay on point enough to where the point I can't, you know, get myself in certain situations. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I, I think the world of this guy. And, and as Walt said earlier, he, he met him first, right? I mean, you was kind of like at the Genesis yeah. of what Mel Mogul is now, man. And to have, we've had car rides, right? Yeah. We've had moments where I, I've had moments in the car with this guy where I've literally been mute <laughs> and he's been teaching me on how to reach the next generation. So I just want to tell you, you know, uh, publicly that man, I'm so grateful what you bring. Um, while also coming from environments where it's expected yeah. to not create a, a, a brand, right? So I just think this man is, you're a world changer. <laughs> That's literally what you are. You're a world changer. And for anybody listening to him speak, I mean, I'm like, here, Mesmer, I'm like, can you keep going, man? Like, I love your knowledge and your wisdom and what you bring, man. And I'm, there, go the, there goes the chills, man. So you're a powerful, powerful young man. And Keep keep dreaming, keep inspiring, man, because it's it's inspirational for me and Walt, right? To to be the root of something and then to see the fruit is is a testimony um, to what you are doing in your community. So it's powerful, man. So one thing I want to ask too, because I think a lot of times people think it's easy to do what you're doing, but it comes with sacrifice, man. 
I know you had to sacrifice stuff. I know you had to sacrifice maybe friends. I know you had to sacrifice maybe, you know, whether it's going out to certain places or being in certain places or chilling with people. So what were some of the things that you had to sacrifice in order to uh, get to where you want to get to? Uh, yeah, man, I would say uh, the first thing you said uh, is my social life. So yeah. it's like when I when I realized I had to make a sacrifice, my social life was probably at the top of that list because that was probably what was consuming my life the most that I knew that wasn't like uh, it wasn't like always necessary for me to be social. Like, you know, being a businessman, you, you'll have to be social. I mean, of course, but you don't have to always, you know, go out to, you know, the new trend, the way it's trending at or where everybody wants to go, man. So what, yeah. what usually happens in Chicago? Yeah, exactly. Stuff, you, right? Exactly. And everybody don't know that. It's like, so man. what's the trick? Actually, for people who don't know it, DT may not know because he's not from Chicago. Yeah. Like, explain that and like those things and kind of usually what happens mm -hmm. when those things happen. Yeah. So man, when it, when somebody trends something in Chicago, it's usually always created on social media. You know, someone, mm -hmm. a, a popular person on social media posts a place and, you know, they they, they get to share in it. So when that happens, you get all, you imagine all the teenagers in mm -hmm. Chicago in one place, mm -hmm. in one place. So that's where the violence comes in that because, first of all, you don't know who's going to be there. Second of all, you don't know what to expect when you get there. And third of all, like, you don't know if you're going to make it back home or not. And that's usually some of the results that comes from these trends. So. I just try to make it like a, a, a always a top plan where I just okay I don't have to go to this trend I don't have to always you mm. know go out to go to go out to these places like that man mm. I think it's something that we talk about risk versus reward right? yeah exactly risk like versus is the risk really worth the reward yeah. <laughs> you know is being in the spot where everybody at worth potentially losing my life yeah, exactly <laughs> mm -hmm. and understanding that your life is a business man especially yes. when you're in a city like chicago like yeah. you really have to make those decisions mm -hmm. exactly. and you really have to think here because sometimes emotionally or something like you know mm -hmm. you may want to go yeah you know but you got to have the discipline enough and even the foresight or vision enough it's like is it really worth you know going to this for the potential that what could happen yeah mm -hmm. So that's 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 a big thing, man. Especially at a person like your age, man. Like social life and going out Thanks, and man. doing that—that that is a big sacrifice. And it's something that if if I was your age, I don't know if I would be able to do. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness! I, I don't know. No. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So it's no. it's very inspirational, man. I I I watched a group of old heads one time play chess, Walt. And um, I go to a coffee shop, right? And they set up. This is something that I that I've also been able to observe in Chicago. Chess is big here, right? Yeah. They playing chess on the corner. Yeah. They playing chess is everywhere. But I asked an old man one time, um, "What are the the the, the primaries and 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 for for me to study this game? What do I need to know?" And he said three. And Walt, you listed one of them. He said insight, hindsight, and foresight. Right. Say and that so, again. Say that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's an older gentleman, the wisdom, I'm right? Write that down. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so he he says for to play a chess game, to the greatest chess players that, that has ever played, they've had insight, right? Uh, and knowledge of the game. They've had hindsight, which usually means they've studied what's in their rear view. Mm. Not that they live in it, but they study what has happened, right? It's it's what Jarrese called real. 
you know, he looked at a product, maybe it isn't working as good as he thought, so he reassessed the situation. Only way you can do that is through hindsight. You're looking back on what you didn't do as great at. Yeah. And then foresight keeps you from going to the social places where there's a potential for my uh, my uh, my character, yeah. right? Right to be diluted, yeah. right? Or for my future to be decapitated, yeah. right? So insight, um, hindsight, and foresight is what I see Jairis as, right? You, you, you have so much wisdom at a young age, which is insight. Hindsight, you've studied what you have done, and I think you have enough wisdom to say, I know where I'm going, right? So you have enough vision to get there. So that is what I'm hearing here, and Walt said the, 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 the word foresight, but that's what it made me think of, and it's almost as if Jairis is at the chess table, right? And he's like, okay, I'm considering all three. They're coming together in yeah. order for me to make my next move. And so, young man, you are doing a powerful job at that, man. You are taking the wisdom that I heard from an older man at a chess game, and you are applying it. The Bible say the word became flesh and yeah. it dwelled among us. Yeah, That's what you're doing, Most man. Definitely. So Most powerful. And so I want to kind of get into, you know, some of your opinions. And I know that the mayor has a solution for the violence. You know, me and DT may have some mm-hmm. ideas, but a lot of times they don't talk to the people that's actually in it. You know what I'm saying? And actually, you know, that age yeah. and that were a lot of the, you know, problems and a lot of the violence and a lot of the killings, you know, kind of in that age group. And I just want to hear your perspective and just, you know, kind of what your thoughts are. I know that you don't have all the solutions in the world, but I just kind of want to know from your perspective, what do you think is, um, especially among youth, like the violence, like what does that stem from if you don't, and maybe you could just talk about your particular neighborhood and it may be relevant to the greater Chicago, but what do you think stems the youth violence uh, in Chicago and even particularly in your neighborhood? Um, I would say first it's the homes, man. So whatever's happening in the homes, like that's go directly deflect, deflect off that person. Like if they going through something at home, you will most likely be able to tell, or, you know, they'll tell you if they comfortable enough to share that with you. But other besides that, it's like, you know, but when, when you, it's like when you first turn, when you first turn at like around 14 or 15, it's like you don't really know like what you want to do with your life yet, yeah. and still getting it to like eighteen or nineteen, you don't know. So mm-hmm. in those eight in those youth ages, it's like you really you don't know your purpose yet. Mm. So that that causes you to distract yourself with pleasure. Mm. So when you That's, and and then wow. it's like when you when you you getting when you getting that pleasure is it, it don't always turn out to be that way. Some of that pleasure can be your downfall or yeah. something you can learn from. So it's like I would say just like that the, the experiences before they before they actually get to know like you know what they want to do or what they capable of. It's like yeah they they it's like the youth uh not have any guidance and it's like to the point where they don't they don't know where to get that guidance from. So I think that we just need more guidance, man. We need more insight. We need more things that can help like young people develop like a peace of mind. Like they just need to have a space or a, a activity where they can just, you know, be free of themselves, where they can just be able to impact other people while they impacting themselves too. Most definitely. So what I'm hearing is that we need to be uh, uh, preventative and not reactive. Yeah. So necessarily the answer is not more police. Yeah. 
answer is not necessarily locking more people yeah. up and putting them in jail longer. It's really before they get into that really preventative programs yeah. for young people, helping them to navigate basically the world. Yeah. And also, too, what I'm hearing is is discipline. Yeah. You know, true. discipline in which and I think when we say discipline, like it's such a bad word. Right. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> right. people think negatively, right. but it's just that sometimes we have to withhold the instant gratification mm-hmm. to think about you know, the future and it's like playing football. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we prepare all this time all week mm-hmm. for four hours. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people just want the pleasure of the game, but mm-hmm. they don't want to put the work in yeah. in order yeah. to get to that. Yeah. I, what I think is also too being first and 10 and being okay with getting four yards on the first down. Mm. Yeah. Right. Not feeling like I got to get the hell Mary every play. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I think when you get to youth organizations, we think more quantity than we do quality, mm. right? And so we shooting for numbers. <sighs> and for the pursuit of numbers, we lose souls, literally. Mm-hmm. Because we're thinking that if I have 300 people in a building, I'm successful. Well, maybe you're not, right? Mm-hmm. I think what you've done a great job at, um, leading Mel Mogul, is you maximize on the quality that's in front of you. And I don't think you judge your success based off quantity. Mm-hmm. It's quality that you're shooting after. And I think when you think quality, you get a Jairis, right? That you can stay with him since he was younger because you're not after numbers, mm-hmm. right? If numbers come and if that's what God graces the organization with, then that's powerful. And ultimately you won't grow, yeah. right? But I think growth comes from within first, not mm-hmm. from without. And I think that is such a powerful thing that I'm hearing even from a Jairis, I think your pursuit is not quantity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we should be sharing amongst leaders, mm-hmm. right? Because I think in a place that's so fast paced, I think it's so easy to put the most amount of money into the, into the biggest organization and say, go get numbers. Yeah. No, Jesus got 12 and said, let's go to work. Mm. Right. And so if you keep that mentality, I think you won't miss the gyrases. You won't miss the Dre's. You won't miss the Keith's because you won't be after what looks good. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah. So I think that was what I'm hearing. Walt, yeah. that, like what you've been able to do. I think you maximize on quality. Yeah. But I think, too, there's this catch 22 because you have, you know, maybe what works and then what gets funded. <laughs> well, well, then, yeah. You know, no, it's a, it's a, it's yeah, a, I think that's the dilemma. No, that's the dilemma yeah. with a lot of people in which you know they do all this wide mm. and not getting deep because you know the things that we do are if you ain't have three hundred people, then you're not mm. getting this. Or it's even in schools, it's like these kids ain't don't have this test score, then your pay gets cut mm. or you get fired. So I think there's this you know kind of. I don't know what the word is, but just like this kind of balancing act between, you know, what I need to get funded and what really works. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you stay authentic? Mm. How do you keep the culture of Mel Mogul authentic? To be honest with you, man, it's God. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of times, like especially with the, the bigger organizations, you know, it's not God centered. Mm. So I have enough faith to go off my convictions. Wow. And what I feel led to do. 
and I know that there would be provision. But if I'm a, you know, CEO and I'm getting these government contracts mm. and this and that, then I have to do certain things. Mm. So it's dependent, like too. It's just like where your where your fruit is coming from, too. Where, where your where your funds is coming from. Because if you take certain amounts of money, you're gonna have to hold certain types of standards. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> it's real, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a real thing. I think this is something that the viewers yeah. will really want to understand, specifically in a Chicago where there yeah. are so so much going on. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right? So how do I rise? And marry that with authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do, yeah. and I think uh, John Reese is a testimony of how you can do it. Yeah, right. It takes time, but I think once you maximize on the John Reese, how many does he touch? Yeah, right. How many does he inspire to create yeah. a clothing brand yeah. or inspire to come up out of the West Side of Chicago? So, hundred percent. Yeah. Or how many he inspired just to join the male mogul? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know what so, I'm saying? Or something like it. Yeah. Most definitely. So what I'm hearing, like you said, is like, and you talk about the homes and you talking about, so what I hear from that is love. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of kids don't have love. Yeah. That or they don't love. feel love. So if I don't feel love and I have hatred in my heart, and if I have hatred in my heart, I'm going to express that to the other person. Now you're in environments like I'm in, in Austin or the West side or, you know, certain places in certain parts of the city. Now I have access to guns. Now I have Mm -hmm. access to drugs. Mm -hmm. Now I have access to fake love, which is these gangs that are out here and these things. Now I want to be affirmed. So in order to be affirmed, I got to rap about somebody else and get liked. So I can feel that I'm being affirmed, but what's that? What's the risk to that? Mm. is murder <laughs> how many wow. it's 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 having to have a gun on me because i don't know who is who mm. it's i'm into it with the people that live across the street from me yeah. wow and now that's where all this stuff happens man and that's where all this violence happens and it really like you said starts in the home it starts with love mm. so if i'm not getting love and like where else can i get love mm. and i think you know what was powerful even about last week, it was love there. Mm. And I think we created, because even what the young man was saying is like, even if I don't know you, I have, you know, I'm there for you. That's mm. love. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. That's love. And I think we think of love as like, you know, this like gushy feeling. And mm. mom, it's really not that, man. It's just really just I care about you strongly. And I want to see your success as much as I want to see my own. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't mean I'll have to, you know, talk to you all the time or do this or do that. Even, you know, we play football. You may not talk to somebody for 10 years and you go to the yep. five year reunion. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> you never left. And you never left. And that you would do anything, even mm-hmm. if I ain't talked to you in five years. Mm-hmm. That's love. That yeah. is love. That is love. Yeah. I I think you are extremely correct. And I think they feel it. Yeah. Right? And I love their vision because their vision is so real, right? When they see you, they like, like, what are you doing to my community? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to my family? Like, they really are going to really look at what you're doing and your goals and your aspirations, and they're going to see if they're wrapped in love or if they're wrapped in phony. Yeah. They'll know it. Yeah, most definitely, man. Mm-hmm. So, Jarice, man, what do you think are some of the solutions to curve some of the things that are happening, 
you know, in this city and specifically in your community, man? What are what are what are some solutions that you think? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, this, the city is putting out, you know, more things that they think can, you know, uh, get get that insight with the youth, get that support from the youth. But I think like what you said, man, it, it just has to be genuine love with whatever they decide to create or whatever, you know, somebody decides to create for the youth. It got to be genuine. That's the only thing like and and just hearing like from the kids that's that go through this type of stuff every day. They just need somebody who they can, you know, count on that. They don't got to, you know, question your loyalty. They don't have to question your compassion about some things. So it's like when you when you uh you when you walked when you first started male mogul like you notice like when the people who who kept coming like me cam and all of us yeah yeah. you notice how we kept coming because we genuinely like put our trust in you we genuinely trusted you Mm -hmm. and that's because you you put that trust into us like you believe oh i could take these kids public places and and get them exposed and and, and trust them to you know represent the male mogul i can get these kids you know like yeah so it's like when you get that genuine love man it's like really that there's really nothing that can come between that and it's really that can't break that connection man yeah most definitely man i think like you said bringing exposure i think bringing opportunity and instilling trust and what ways in which i was able to do that you know with you guys is the trust factor is just showing up being consistent yep um, understanding the problems and offering solutions. Um, and really it's time. Yeah. Yeah. That's was, you know, time. Yeah. I think, you know, time is, is very important and consistency. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, mess up at. It's hard to be consistent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, Especially in the social media culture. Yeah. Because it's a lot of instant gratification. It's yeah. a lot of microwaves, not a lot of crock pots. Most definitely. Baby, so I think what you have become and you've allowed for Mel Mogul to become is a crock pot, yeah. right? And it's like no rush, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got them. It's a rush, but it's rushed within the constraints of time, right? Yeah. And I think once you do that, man, you you really produce an environment of love, right? You said the, the foundation is God, what well, God is love. Yeah. So. And I think too, man, to be honest with you, and, you know, it could be controversial, but I think, um, just how we've been able to even instill trust so quickly at Dusabo is that we're in the community. Yes. That we have, hey, we have a store right here. You can mm-hmm. see us. Mm-hmm. I live right there on 35th of King Drive, mm-hmm. DT, yeah. right down the street mm-hmm. on 81st mm-hmm. and whatever. Like yeah. we here. Like, and we could be anywhere in the world. We could right. be in the suburbs. We could Correct. be, you know, somewhere. We choose to be here. You got a PhD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> well, to feel the doctor. It's different than speaking to the doctor. What do you mean by that? I believe that sometimes a young Jairis can't fill a PhD. They keep telling him he can become something that he's never felt. Mm-hmm. How can I become the lawyer and I've never felt one? Mm-hmm. And so you inspire me with empty words is what Solomon calls absolute futility. Mm-hmm. I can't. The woman with the issue of blood, she touched him. If for Jairis to touch a Walter Mendenhall or a leader in the community instead of getting on the phone or emailing yeah. and you're not giving him any personal touch, mm. I think what you give Jairis and you give Cam and you give Keith is the touch. And when you give them that touch, they say, wow, I can do it. It's, it's, he's not just emailing me. 
or after after the after uh basketball session is over at seven thirty, he ain't telling me to get on the bus. He taking me home, yeah. right? He can feel me, right? Like he meets my wife, mm-hmm. and I think those things is allowing for a Jaris to see it, yeah. not just listen to it, not just emailing it. We got an email system that's going crazy right now, and now I gotta wait five days to get inspired by my leader yeah. instead of saying, "Hey, can I touch you?" Can I touch your situation? Can I touch your your inspiration? Yeah. And I think that's also that that marries authenticity, yeah. right? To and be I, touched. And I even uh, just to piggyback mm-hmm. off that, I think sometimes they need to see a doctor with dreads and a beard. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> they need too. to see a successful business person that lives in their community and that can give them resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just talk it, but just actually be able to do it. <laughs> to do it. You know, that's trust. I want to see it. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. So with that, man, I just want to, as we uh, conclude, I just want to kind of talk more just about your brand. What do you, you know, see about your brand? How can people get in contact and Mm -hmm. purchase some of your stuff and kind of what you see the future of Secure the Bag and even your future in general, uh, as far as with school and all the other things that you want to do? Uh, yeah, man. It's uh, when I started Secure the Bag in two thousand eighteen. Uh, my my goal was basically just to get everybody else to secure the bag. I feel like that message would, was very powerful at the time, because especially considering that everybody was starting, you know, their own brands. I, mm-hmm. I feel like that model is what you know that is what differentiated me from all the other people who you know was doing what I was doing. And as far as my desires and plans for it, I mean, it's just to grow grow it as much as I can. And the more I grow, the more the message is going to spread. And I feel like I can be very versatile with my brand also. Yeah. And that's what gives me like that creative motive, like secure the bag is, is you, it's a really a lifestyle. So it, it doesn't even have to be a clothing brand. It can, mm-hmm. it can so be a, it can a lifestyle. Be a, exactly. It can yeah. be a network for people who want to do, you know, uh, entrepreneurship online, digital entrepreneurship, cryptocurrency. It's, it could be like an insight for people, who, you know, want to like just basically want to bring more capital to their uh, business. So most definitely, yeah, most definitely. And then just tell a little bit about what you're doing now, what you plan to do, like far as school wise and everything else. Uh, right now I'm in my second, my sophomore year, uh, I'm studying, uh, my, uh, business financial at, uh, Harold Washington. So, uh, I'm about to go ahead and get that associates, man. Um, after that, I'm going ahead and get on my road to get that BBA, man. That's what's up. That's, that's what I want to, uh, that's what I want to yeah, do, man. Get that it. BBA. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. So I appreciate you, Jarrice, mm-hmm. man. I appreciate the man that you are. I appreciate, you know, what you've been able to accomplish. I appreciate, you know, your um, commitment to the male mogul. Um, you've been an inspiration to me, been an inspiration to DT. As far as much as you learned from me, I've learned from you. <laughs> um, so I'm just uh, greatly, greatly appreciative for you coming out today. Oh, man, mm-hmm. thank, you for, thank you for having me, man. Like I said, like, it it always starts with a little thing. Like mm. DT said, you can you can pretend like you care, but you can't pretend to show up, man. Mm. Most definitely. So yeah, most definitely. DT, you got any last words? And I've I've sat at the feet of uh, uh, of Jairis today. <laughs> uh, man, I'm I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for how you are touching this generation. Um, and like Walt said, man, I, it's inspiring us to see somebody like you to to take on the world with so much boldness so much tenacity, so much strength to give power to this generation because it's not easy. And sometimes, some days it is easier to lay down and quit, right? Sometimes that's 
that route makes sense. Yeah. And for you to consistently get up and go against culture or what we call counterculture, yeah. it's so powerful, man. So continue to secure the bag. Uh, continue to inspire the world, man. And you're going to go very far. And uh, you're going to be employing a lot of people one day. So <laughs> keep going, man. And we are so grateful for you. Oh, yeah. Appreciate mm. you, man. Appreciate you. All right. Till next time, this is the Mail Mogul Podcast. Uh, always, uh, you can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us on all streaming platforms. Also go to our website, mailmogulinitiative.org. Uh, uh, we have an e-commerce site. We have all the updates of what we're doing. And definitely you can uh, purchase some products at our store, which is located at 330 East 51st Street, Chicago, Illinois. And you can also purchase uh, some security bag at our store and online. So until next time, we appreciate you listening and stay tuned for more.